Welcome to Drug Safety Matters, a podcast by Uppsala Monitoring Center, where we explore current issues in pharmacovigilance and patient safety. My name is Federica Santoro, and this episode is part of the Uppsala Report's Long Reads series, where we select the most topical stories from our magazine, Uppsala Reports, and bring them to you in audio format. Our pick for today is the article Patience Advocate, which appeared online in October 2020 and in print in issue 83 of the magazine. So who is this Patience Advocate we want to tell you about? None other than former UMC director Marie Lindquist, who only a few weeks ago began her well-earned retirement. Marie has now left the reins of the organization to her successor, UMC's new CEO, Hervé Lelouet. But as she prepared to open a new chapter in her life, she sat down with UMC editor Graham Nadasi for a fond look back at an extraordinary career that began with a knock on the door and turned her into one of the world's leading advocates for patient safety. Here's the full story, read for us today by Graham Nadasi and Marie Lindquist. It's symptomatic of the times that Marie Lindquist hasn't set foot in UMC's office since March. She's looking sharp and suitably autumnal as she takes her seat in a meeting room that could comfortably seat eight for an appropriately socially distant interview. Her breezy manner is at odds with the mood on the streets outside, which remain bare at lunchtime on a workaday Tuesday, despite the sun and blue skies. Inside, an office whose staff has doubled in the 10 years since she became director, is strangely quiet, deceptively so. With the world still holding its breath in the hopes of a quote-unquote cure for the pandemic, months, if not years, of preparation are about to be put to the test. Work has already begun monitoring the safety of medicines being used to treat coronavirus, and those efforts are set to enter a second, more intensive phase should any successful vaccine candidates emerge. It is precisely the kind of situation for which the WHO Programme for International Drug Monitoring, and by extension UMC, was brought into being. In the 1960s, the thalidomide crisis showed the need to have systems in place to protect patients from harm, with the tragic realisation that although medicines do a lot of good, they can also cause serious injury or even death. Everyone's desperate to get the vaccine out, and the hope then is that lots of people will get it. But that also means that a lot of people will be exposed to something new, and we need to monitor its safety and effectiveness. Because even if there's a very rare adverse reaction, say one case in 10,000, if you have 10, 20, or even 100 million people getting vaccinated, many of them could be harmed if we don't detect the first sign of a problem swiftly. As she prepares to pass the baton to her successor, Hervé Lelouet, Lindquist is confident that the organisation she has dedicated her working life to is more than up to the task. From its original role as custodians of Vigibase, the WHO's database of individual case safety reports, the world's largest repository of reported adverse drug reactions, UMC has grown under her leadership into a sustainable, financially viable enterprise built on solid scientific foundations. She could give the standard business metrics to make that case. But a preferred measure of success is that she has maintained the integrity and soul of an organisation that has patients' best interests at heart and where people come to do good. We have been an important voice in putting pharmacovigilance on the map and making sure that it's recognised as an essential part of healthcare in every country. Lindquist also takes pride 
in the knowledge that UMC has continued to set the scientific agenda for pharmacovigilance with its groundbreaking methods and tools. We were the first to introduce a routine data mining approach to screening big data for safety signals in the 1990s. What was initially regarded with some level of suspicion is now a mainstream practice. When Lindquist joined UMC in 1979, it was still finding its feet. Much like the newly graduated pharmacist from Uppsala University, she had spent a few months at the Medical Products Agency, which was in the same building, and by chance saw on a notice board that the WHO Collaborating Centre for International Drug Monitoring was looking for a pharmacist. She had already decided that she didn't want to work in a pharmacy as she thought that would be boring, and she wanted something international because she had always liked languages and the idea of the world being a little bit bigger than Sweden. I knocked on the door and Sten was there. I said I could start tomorrow, and he said, OK, that was my job interview. Lindquist admits it wasn't exactly part of a considered career plan. She had studied to become a pharmacist because she was interested in medicine but didn't like the idea of cutting into people. At UMC, though, she found a calling and a sense of duty to the cause that has stayed with her. From the beginning, there was a lot of effort put into doing the job, collecting the data, analysing it, producing signals. She started off with data entry, taking care of incoming reports and coding each medicine to make it searchable. This would later provide the structure for the Who Drug Dictionary, UMC's main source of income. The reports of suspected adverse reactions were still coming in on paper then. Making all the corrections manually could have been tedious, but I read the case information and saw a person. I don't work in healthcare as such, and I don't sit by a patient's bed, I'm not doing acute surgery, but I've always felt very strongly that what I do is about people. Looking back, I think that has been my strength. I've always seen the patient behind the data. UMC has continued to develop ever more sophisticated ways to structure data and detect signals. Lindquist had a hand early on in developing analytical systems and search strategies to extract the information from the database and put it together. It simply isn't good enough to say that we are looking for the usual reactions, because our job is to find the unknown. But recognising that the medicine may cause harm in some patients doesn't really lead anywhere unless the knowledge is made available to those who need it in a way that actually improves the lives of patients. As one of the architects of the original Ariche Declaration, which laid the groundwork for the development of good communication practices in pharmacovigilance, Lindquist has been a leading advocate for more patient-centred communication throughout her directorship. It is also something she would like to write about now that she will have the time. You have the public health perspective of medicines and how they are used, and then you have the individual's perspective. Everyone talks about being patient-focused, but I'm not sure we really are. There's a lot more to be done in actually making sure that what we do in pharmacovigilance benefits individuals. What do people want from us? What do they expect? What do they need? How can we do better? To give just one example, she cites patient reporting, where although everyone agrees that patients need to report and that it's important to hear their stories, it's rarely that simple. In many countries, it's possible for patients to report ADRs through their National Pharmacovigilance Centre. But how do they know where to report and how to report? How many people know there is a regulatory authority responsible for reporting side effects? Do they know the name of the regulatory authority? So first you have to find out that there is a regulatory authority that you can report to. Then you have to find their website. You have to find that information on their website. If you make it easy. Although UMC works closely with the WHO, it is organisationally and financially independent. Free of political or commercial considerations, UMC has been able to push its scientific agenda, always with the patient in mind. Not one afraid to ruffle a few feathers, 
Lindquist has fought that battle in her own way. I'm a great believer in integrity and standing up and being counted. If it's something we ought to do, we should do it. But she also believes in a need for diplomacy and constructive dialogue. Instead of seeing compromise as something negative, she thinks of it as a positive step in the right direction. She was pleased to hear her successor referring to his new role as CEO as that of a quote-unquote pharmacodiplomat, determined to put the patient front and centre. That's all for now, but we'll be back soon with more long reads, as well as our usual conversations with medicine safety experts. If you'd like to know more, check out the episode show notes for useful links or visit UppsalaReports.org for more of our stories. If you'd like pharmacovigilance updates delivered straight to your inbox every month, then you'll love the brand new Uppsala Reports newsletter. Subscribe to it for free at UppsalaReports.org forward slash subscribe. If you like Drug Safety Matters, make sure to subscribe to it in your favorite podcast player. And do leave us a review so other listeners can find us. You can send any comments or suggestions for the show on social media. Just look for Uppsala Monitoring Center on Facebook, LinkedIn or Twitter and connect to us there. This episode of Drug Safety Matters was produced by Matthew Barwick. I'm Federica Santoro and we hope you enjoyed listening. Till next time.